Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is it is July. Uh, I cannot talk today. It is July twenty first, twenty twenty two. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. Matt, it has been a busy, busy week. I don't know about you, but I have had a hell of a week. There's been the draft, the All Star Game, so much stuff. Rumors flying about trade, uh, trades for potential superstars, and it's only Thursday as we're recording here, but man, I am ready for the weekend. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I had, I know while all the draft was going on last weekend, I had work to throw in there too, and things got a little, little nuts with that, so a lot to keep up on, even over the All-Star weekend, because now that the, that the draft takes place on All-Star weekend and all-star break and everything like that like it's not baseball fans don't get to just kind of sit back and kick it there's plenty of news coming out and uh plenty to talk about for the brewers uh with the draft and the all-star game honestly even though even though we only had the one representative yeah and that means we don't get to kick you know relax back and kick it and just kind of chill because nope. everything's happening all at once we got the we got the deadline we got the all-star game we got the draft we got all of it happening within about two weeks of each other. So fun times, lots of content coming out at reviewingthebrew.com because we are keeping you updated on everything. Milwaukee Brewers, news, opinion, analysis, all of it. Uh, Matt, I know you just had an article go up about Ethan Small and how he should come up and uh, fill that fifth starter spot because Jason Alexander is down. Uh, He has been demoted back to AAA as uh, the All-Star break got started. They're going to need a fifth starter. Who should it be? Probably their top pitching prospect, Ethan Small. Yeah, makes a little bit of sense, right? I mean, yeah, just a little bit. Go with the guy that uh, all the writers are saying is the best pitcher the Brewers have in the minor leagues. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we don't. Thing is, we don't know really if Adrian Hauser is anywhere close to returning. There really hasn't been any news on him lately. Um, and Frey Peralta's still best case scenario is at some point in August. It's nice to see he's progressing well, but that leaves the Brewers with four starters, and they already announced that um, it's going to be Burns, Woody, Lauer, and Ashby, I believe in that order, uh, coming out of the break for that four-game series against Colorado. But then they play a game right after that against the Twins, and I cannot imagine they're going to be just working everyone on short rest right away. So that means you need a fifth starter. So Jason Alexander, he had a few... Really solid games when he, he had a nice run. Came up. He did, and that's why he ended up staying up as opposed to Ethan Small. Because you know what? If he's the hot hand, let's ride it for a little bit, and it worked out for the Brewers for a little while. But and the hot hand went working. cold. Yeah, it stopped working out for the Brewers. So you know what you have with him. There's nothing hidden there that the Brewers haven't seen yet. You don't know what you have with Small at the major league level, anyway. Um, and he has a way higher ceiling, obviously, than Jason Alexander. So for right now, you need that fifth starter. It might not need to be for too long, but someone needs to bridge that gap until one of Hauser or Freddie come back. It's time to roll with him. Let's go. Let's see what we got. Give yeah. him another crack at it. He earned it. And it's not going to be Chichi Gonzalez either, because nope. he has also been shown the door. Uh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, it, and I was thinking about this earlier, like the Brewers do, David Stearns, I should say, does, has done well in the past with those random waiver claims. Like they have worked Jordan out. Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles. Um, Hernan Perez. Aguilar, I believe, was. Um, Aguilar was a waiver claim, yep. Yep. Uh, Vogelback and Telez, weren't they? Or was Telez? Telez was, was a trade. Vogelback right. was. I believe a waiver claim. I thought he was a waiver claim after a DFA. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of guys that worked out, but I don't know that a lot of us who know that thought that Chi-Chi was going to work out in the same way. I think it was that was really just a flyer. They needed a little extra depth. They gave it a shot. He, he, he put in some useful innings. Good for him. But, you know, he was not the future of the franchise. So um, thank you for the, your... Hard work, Chi-Chi, and we wish you luck on your future endeavors. And well said. And <laughs> bon voyage, please don't come back. <laughs> um, so 
So, yeah, so Ethan Small potentially as the uh, number five starter. I put out an article recently uh, here as well. My MLB draft class superlatives yeah. uh, looking through the Brewers draft class. And, you know, we'll, let's get into the draft here. Um, the draft happened this past week, starting on Sunday night. Uh, the Brewers made three picks on Sunday, made eight more on Monday, and then the final picks, rounds 11 through 20, on Tuesday. So overall, 21 selections are made, and I go through, you know, kind of superlatives. Your your highest upside, your best value, your biggest surprise, uh, my favorite pick in this draft, and three words to describe this draft, you know, things like that. So lots of fun stuff in there. And so getting into this draft, we got we got to talk at the beginning of the class here. So we get we got to start round one. Round one was pretty crazy. It it got crazy pretty much around pick three. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Texas Rangers shocking everyone going with Kumar Rocker. I thought Kumar might be there at 27 for Milwaukee. So much for that. Yeah. Um, but he ends up signing underslot there, and the Vandy boys get reunited with uh, with the Rangers. Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker. Um, and they push Brock Porter, high school pitcher, down the board into the fourth round, and they're going to sign him. So big draft for the Rangers. But things got a little, you know, crazy from there. Cade Horton goes to the Chicago Cubs at seven. Um, as we were getting closer, one of the pitchers I very much wanted, as uh, we talked about last week with um, Dan Zelinski of Baseball Prospect Journal, one of the pitchers I wanted was Cooper Jerpy. Mm-hmm. out of Oregon State, left-handed pitcher. And, of course, of course, because because I wanted him, the St. Louis Cardinals decided to take him at 22. And I could not have been more pissed, not because the Brewers didn't get him, but because he went to the Cardinals. And now he's going to be a stud for them because it somehow just always works out that way for the Cardinals. And I'm going to have to hate him now. And I hate that. Yeah. I know, and it was, I guess at least it's not the Cubs, uh, but I mean. The Cardinals I, aren't aren't much better, though. No, you know? they're not. Honestly, it's, it, the, the most hated team's rankings are, it's getting close to being a 1A, 1B situation at this point with the Cubs and the Cardinals. Let's be honest, I think a lot of people would agree. I think there's a lot of people who would argue that they hate the Cardinals much more than the Cubs. I don't know so, that I'll ever get to that point, but here's where I am with it. I hate the Cardinals as a team more just because they're so much better and they're always so damn annoying on the field. But I hate Cubs fans more. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I hate the fans of the Cubs more than like the team itself right now. Well, mostly because their team sucks. But you know, like like that's kind of where I'm at. Like the team, like with the Cardinals, are always just kind of so annoying. But for the past several years. The Brewers have pretty much owned the Cubs on the field. Yeah. But it's the yeah. fans that still are just like, oh, 2016. But, yeah, but the Cardinals fans do refer to themselves as the best fans in baseball, and it is kind of do. A, so. a lot of teams' fans refer to them best fans in baseball. Yeah, all, but, all the players of every team says we got the best fans in baseball, you know, like. No, but the Cardinals make like a brand out of it. Like it's it, it's. Oh, it's like the Ohio State people going the Ohio yes. State. Basically, yes, it's it's Ugh. like so. Now it's it's not good, but I I, it's, I find it hard to argue with that one. But yes, um, yeah, we, that's a guy that we both kind of had our eyes on. Another guy we both had our eyes on, uh, Blake Tidwell, um, gone before he had the chance. Um, no, he was there. Oh, was he there? He was he was there. They they did not take him. So here's because this is what the Brewers do. I feel like the Brewers follow what I say and always instinctively try to do the exact opposite. Like whatever yeah. I want, whatever I'm thinking, they want to do the exact opposite all the time because it, it, it just seems to happen every single year. Whatever I think they do, the exact opposite. You know, for the most part. I mean, I was thinking college player. I, I knew they were going to be going college, um, and they did end up going with that. Um, but, like, I put out a list. Like, like, okay, this board has fallen just fine. All these guys that I want. I put out a list of, like, ten dudes. Like, like legit, like, ten players. I'm like, if they pick any one of these ten guys, mm-hmm. I am going to be extremely happy. Like, this is going to be great. And they pick a dude that was not on the list at all. It's like, I gave you 10 options. You couldn't pick a single one of them. Like they're all like in the top 10 on the board here. 
not a single one. And they go with Eric Brown Jr., the shortstop out of Coastal Carolina. And, you know, when, when you kind of look up the report on him first, like MLB Pipeline had him 63rd. So mm-hmm. it's like, wait a minute. He seems like more like a second round pick. Why are we going with him at 27? This seems like a bit of a reach, uh, but more on that in a bit. Um, but they end up going going with him, the college shortstop. And, you know, they, they're they big believers in the hit tool from what it looks like. You know, there were, there were some scouts that were kind of split on it just because he's got a weird setup, man. And, of course, it's a Craig Council-led team that drafts a dude with the funky batting stance with his arms fully extended, like out in front of his face, like between his face and the pitcher. This kind of extended, weird, like way out in front. Um, a big leg kick, just something funky like Craig Council used to do. And so it's like, uh, you know, is he actually going to be able to hit? The Brewers believe that he will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they ended up picking him at 27. Yeah, he, he reminds me even more, and I know you mentioned this comp as well, of Julio Franco, um, mm-hmm. who, like, without, like, with a less exaggerated crouch, because Franco also had, like, like, he crouched down, he had the bat turned, he had a he had a very interesting batting stance, but it served him well until he was 49. Like, yeah. remember those, like, we had players back in the day, like him and Jamie Moyer, who used to be able to play till they were damn near 50. Like, there's no way anything, well, I mean... You've got, I guess, uh, uh, Adam Wainwright these days, but I mean, that's you're talking 40 with him. Like yeah. even that's a, a crazy thing now. But anyway, that's kind of who he reminds me of. Um, I, I don't maybe maybe the thought is, hey, you know, if he can uh, continue hitting and hitting and hitting and getting on base with that batting stance, like he'll be able to bat, you know, no matter how we play with him. I don't know, but the fact of the matter is. He, the guy does get on base despite his goofy setup. He got on base almost 50% of the time in his final year at Coastal Carolina. Um, and he had good numbers in the Cape Cod League as well, which is always good to see because I feel like I've seen a lot of stories of guys who, um, oh, they had a strong junior season. They struggled a li- little bit in the Cape Cod League, but, you know, teamers, teams are still high on them because blah, blah, blah. That wasn't his story. He did well there, too. And that's against other, you know, top-level prospects who are, you know, trying to play some summer league action. So that's nice to see. He's got some solid defense. Um, it, it, it's a bit of a reach, and it does save the team money. So, you know, they'll be able to likely say, sign him under slot. So, you know, I know that was – you had talked about a lot of that during your draft coverage. Um, so there are some benefits in grabbing a guy like that. But clearly the Brewers were targeting him. Like, you don't just go mm-hmm. – get a guy like that on a whim they 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 had to have done their research on him and felt very comfortable going with him because you know he wasn't going to be picked by any other teams yeah and um you know after uh, the the pick was announced uh brewer scout pete vukovic jr uh, gave props to uh area scout taylor frederick for uh crossing his t's and dotting his eyes on the evaluation so i mean they're they are big believers that that, that hit tool is is real so are we saying the man can hit? Is that what we're saying? Is I mean, he has he has hit to this point so far. Um, and I was talking to one uh, uh, scout uh, and evaluator that, that I know. And, you know, I kind of asked, you know, a little bit about a, a Keston Hira comp-ish. Um, just because, you know, he's got that big leg kick. And, you know, it's just kind of a lot of, you know, it's, it's a very different pre-swing thing. Um, and... You know, but it, but like the thing everyone's kind of saying is like it just always seems to end up in the right place and it always works. And mm-hmm. I'm just like we we said the exact same thing about Keston Hira. You know, it's like he just always seems on time, always seems to be able to make it work despite the big leg kick, despite all this. And Keston Hira, as we know now, it it has stopped working and now he strikes out at a 45 percent clip. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he he's like okay fine like we can roll with the with the Hira comp. But instead of a defensive liability, he's a defensive standout. Mm-hmm. So, so that's more the the floor. Um, so at least you know, because like with Keston Hero right now, it's like okay, you're trying to figure it out with the bat, but he also brings you nothing defensively, so it's hard to put him in the lineup. But with Eric Brown, even if say he does struggle with the bat, he at least gives you something 
on defense that you can put him out there every single day. Yeah, and that that is certainly a nice thing to have, especially for middle infield. I mean, you can't imagine. Um, I know Kesson here obviously also is middle field, but not exactly a shortstop. Uh, no. Crown, whether he sticks there or not is currently a shortstop, and so he clearly has some skills. Um, yeah. Yeah, strong defense. When you look at him swing, yeah, there's a lot that happens at the beginning. But once he actually gets into that swing, it is a pretty swing. But yeah, like, it's it's you, pretty smooth. Yeah, you would say the same thing about Keston Hira too. Like once True. he's actually on that swing plane, when he makes important. contact. Yeah, um, but, <laughs> which isn't often anymore. <laughs> right, but quick hands. Uh, the one one thing I've seen praised a lot is his hand-eye coordination. So. I have to imagine that that kind of translates to him being able to reach different parts of the zone. Um, it's it's certainly a solid pick. I think it's one where if the Brewers take him in the second round, you're like, oh, heck yeah. Yeah, we love a guy like this on our team. It's just surprising because it ends up being in the first. So yeah. um, it's, he's he's got the tools to be very solid. We'll see what kind of happens. Um and I think one of the one of the words you mentioned, I'm going to use it right now, but one of the words you mentioned in your superlatives was safe. I think it's mm-hmm. a relatively safe pick. I don't think I think his floor, kind of like you were mentioning, is is relatively high, and he should be at least somewhat useful at some points, um, just based off of the general tools that he has. Yeah, but but the ceiling is is definitely a bit more limited mm-hmm. um, with him. I mean. At best, uh, you know, I think if everything works out well and he reaches his, his ceiling, he's probably maybe a a league average at best every day shortstop, which mm-hmm. really, I mean, for, for the late first round, that's not bad at all. No. You know, yeah. like, like if you're the Brewers, like you'll take that, you know, mm-hmm. at 27 overall. But there's not really there's not really like all star level upside to dream on. I, I don't think, you know, the, there's no real kind of, you know, standout offensive uh, tool either with the home runs or the hit tool enough uh, to really kind of, you know, look towards that as a potential future. So, I mean, it, it's relatively safe. You know, it, it kind of fits the mold of what the Brewers love. I mean, he is an elite athlete. Yeah. Um, just, you know, like defensively, offensively, just, you know, very gifted athlete. And that's something that the Brewers love and that they have loved for years. Um, you know, Todd Johnson said it a couple of years ago, you know, when they drafted all five position players in 2020 he's like i think you can tell we love athletes like yeah. that that's one of their big things like just if you're a pure athlete they will they will take you like like they're you are fully on their radar um so yeah there were some other guys i thought they could target like drew gilbert uh, uh, fits that kind of mold as well and he ends up going one pick later pick. well like we were we were both like okay like you know we we don't necessarily need a third straight first round outfielder uh, but I could totally see them doing it because it's yeah. the Brewers. And Drew Gilbert was right there, and uh, they decided to go with the shortstop instead, which, I mean, they do need some more infield prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did kind of put that in the organizational need as as well. I think it was more corner infield, though, but still. Um, yeah, passing up on uh, Drew Gilbert, Sterling Thompson, a couple of the other outfielders and – you know, I'm honestly fine with them passing on outfielders. Um, I yeah. just, I fully would have expected that they would have gone pitcher instead, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think it was interesting that they didn't draft a single outfielder, like not even, yeah. in the, you know, late rounds to just add a little bit of back end depth to the organization. Nothing. Zero. And, and you know what? It, it, it's not that that doesn't make sense. The Brewers outfield depth is probably the their strongest position in the minor. Plus league. some of those guys could end up playing outfield. Like, uh, like some of those picks, like they can play out there. They just didn't draft them as it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. And, and that's one thing to remember really with anyone who gets drafted is that position is never set in stone. A catcher could always become a first baseman or a DH, a third baseman could become a first baseman or an outfielder shortstop becomes a second baseman. A guy who's only ever started could become a closer or a reliever yeah. in its future. There's so many paths that a player can go down when it comes to their developments that none of that is set in stone. Regardless, the Brewers did not end up drafting anyone whose primary position now is listed as outfielder. Um, they they had a type, a few different types that they were going towards because if you look at it, of the 21 picks, uh, it was only four different positions. 
primary positions, uh, mm-hmm. if you, you may call them. Um, again, that can all change, but it's they, they had a strategy, it seems. Oh, yeah. Pitcher, catcher, shortstop, third base. There it is. Where they went. Yep. Um, and you can you can work with a lot uh, from there. I want and, you know, I'm glad they drafted a bunch of third basemen in there because they could use some more third base prospects. But uh, we'll we'll get into that here. Um, but moving on to the second round, uh, this is where, you know, you, you could see the strategy kind of change. I mean, with, with the first round pick, they went, you know, a bit more safe, you know, it was kind of hit tools athlete, uh, with Eric Brown. Then in the second round with a bunch of pitchers on the board, they end up going with Jacob Mizorowski mm. of a, a very, uh, fun name to try to spell a whole okay. bunch, uh, after that draft pick. Um, Jacob Mizorowski of Crowder Junior College, if that sounds familiar, that's because it's the same school as Aaron Ashby, mm. uh, who is also a strikeout artist over there. And Mizorowski was as well. He was third in all of JUCO this year in strikeouts with 136, I believe. And he is six foot seven and has a hundred mile an hour fastball. <laughs> six foot seven, 190. He's a scrawny 6'7", and I know because I used to be 6'8", 190 uh, <laughs> when I was playing freshman year uh, at lacrosse. The difference is, when I was playing, I threw 75 miles an hour, <laughs> and he throws 100, which is why I now have a podcast, and he <laughs> is getting a million-dollar signing bonus. That, yes, um, that is one impressive 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, a lot of – there were – a couple of guys who saw the draft combine and considered him the most impressive pitcher there. So he caught some eyes for sure. And um, that pick was received pretty well uh, around the internet from a lot of the reviews that I had seen. Um, He's got that and he's got a pretty wicked slider um, from what I hear Uh, for now. That's what he's got. He's got those two. So, you know, you could go a couple different uh, directions with him. Um, I was actually, I was talking about him uh, with the boys, Leo and Balky, up in Green Bay earlier, and they had kind of asked uh, thoughts on what direction he could go, and that is completely up to the Brewers' pitching development team. I mean, they've worked with plenty of pitchers. They've worked with plenty of pitchers on adding to their repertoire. So if they decide to go that route, you know, he was a starter at Crowder, so they could continue having him be a starter, and he could be one of those, you know, high-powered guys. Or... A 100-mile-an-hour fastball on a slider, that sounds like elite closer material to me, and we're going to have some openings in the bullpen when a guy like Josh Hader you know, potentially is uh, moved on down the road to another team. We don't want to Or traded for that. Aaron Judge, maybe. Trade. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to go down that road, are we? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. No, we probably shouldn't. Uh, oh, man. Anyway, so, or maybe he's traded for Aaron Judge, um, in which case we'll need our outfielders. Um, True. <laughs> uh, you know, so he, you know, he may be a need in the bullpen. Um, it, it's a combo that works for that as well. So it, I, I think you just know the Brewers pitching development staff is just itching to get their hands on him right now and really see what they've got and see what they've got to work with and what the full potential of this guy might be, because, um, you could go anywhere with him. Oh, yeah. As soon as I saw that they made this pick and, and I saw the size of them in, in the scouting report, six, seven hundred mile an hour fastball, pretty much no meat on his bones. I'm like, dude, you get this guy in the weight room. You get this guy in the pitch. The pitching lab's going to have an absolute field day with him yep. because with that frame and how imposing that frame is and having a very imposing hundred mile an hour fastball, you have a hell of a foundation to work with like they I think he does have a changeup and a curveball. He just doesn't use them much because he's in Juco. He throws 100 miles an hour. All he really needs is a fastball slider to to have success. Like, that's all he needs. Um, So, I mean, the the Brewers regarded him as one of the best pure arms in the draft. And, I mean, with with his ability to to have that kind of velocity um, and just, like, the the frame there, there is so much they can do. It's going to be a project. It's not going to be a quick-to-the-big-leagues thing with Mizorowski. Um, They're going to need to teach him some command. They're going to need to teach him a third pitch. But, man, there is the, – the upside is tremendous with this because if they're able to teach him those things, I mean, you could have a, a front-line 
stud at six foot seven, throwing upper nineties, hundred miles an hour uh, with that with that fastball. If he's able to sustain that as a starter, like that'd be incredible. Yeah. Um, so that was one of my uh, more favorite picks because I like pitchers and I like seeing you know what the Brewers pitching lab can do with them. Um, and this is just going to be one hell of a toy for that pitching lab. Yeah, just I mean, just think of how intimidating it looks when you've got the fastball slider combo of Josh Hader with like just all that lankiness and length and arms flailing and, and hair looking at you and hair. And he's six three, like he looks tall and is a third of a foot shorter than this monster who's going to be throwing heat at you. Who's going to be throwing harder, by the way, faster heat than what yeah. Hater throws. And Hater yeah. had developed into what he has now. He wasn't throwing 99, 98, whatever. Originally, that kind of uh, cropped up this year. Mizorowski has, that's that's a dude coming yeah. at you. Like, that's, I would not, I, I just turn and walk away. No, no, thanks, yeah. no thanks. It's it's a very imposing uh, presence on the on the mound. When I faced hitters, it was it was very imposing to them until they saw that I threw soft as butter. But <laughs> but oh well, we can't all be gifted with thunderbolts in our in our arms. But anyways, moving on to the competitive balance round B pick, Robert Moore, shortstop out of Arkansas, uh, the son of Dayton Moore. I'm sure that has been said a billion times by now already. Um, Royals president of baseball operations. This dude, very high baseball IQ, knows what he's doing. Uh, complete gamer, knows the game inside and out. Um, he's someone that really I feel like is going to be around in the major leagues a long time. Uh, very polished kid. I mean, I, I think he's going to know what it takes to to handle a professional season, even though he's never been a professional before. I think he's going to be better equipped to handle a full minor league season, a full major league season than any of these other guys coming in. And I think that's going to lead to him moving a lot quicker through the system. You know, he may need to make some adjustments with the bat, but I think he's, he's going to be willing to do it. He's going to be able to do it. Uh, and he's going to be able to, to get that bat working again. I know he had a down year this year, but he was regarded, you know, coming into the season as a first round pick, you know, potentially even top 10. Uh, he fell down because he hit, like 232, I think, or something this year. Uh, so he had a down year offensively, but, I mean, he makes some adjustments. He'll be fine. Like, I think he'll work through the system. He can play probably all over the place. Um, I'm not sure if his long-term home at, uh, is at shortstop at the, big, at the big league level, but he's someone that I could see playing 10 years in the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, big weekend for, you know, kids of baseball guys. You had a you know, some baseball players. The second kids. generation, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Andrew Jones' kid, Matt Holliday's kid. Um, you know, if that makes some of you. John Jaha's kid went on John day Jaha's three. Kid got signed, yeah. Marquise uh, Grissom's kid, Marquise Grissom Jr., went yeah. on day three. Yep. Um, so if any of y'all want to feel old like me, join the club. Um, but, yeah, and, and, you know, Dayton Moore being a baseball guy himself, um, it, it, it's – you get kids of any of those guys who've been around baseball for as long as some of these guys have um, generally, especially if they're guys who are, you know, projected to go around one round two more often than not, it's going to work out. So um, he's another one that a lot of analysts had good things to say about the Brewers pick that, um, you know, they're getting a smart kid, a baseball kid. Uh, he's one of those who, you know, a lot of the descriptions are about him is he's got strong baseball IQ Um and yeah, there's plenty of uh, guys who end up having, you know, rough junior seasons for whatever reason it may be. Maybe they're focusing a little bit too much on the draft, looking ahead, you know, who knows. But, um, you know, teams have these scouts who've been watching these kids for years. And so they clearly are familiar with every single aspect of him. Um uh, so that's why they're not feeling, you know, do the, is it enough to make them want to take him in the first round and pay the kid first round money? No, clearly not. Um, but obviously they felt safe going second round with him. And there's a reason he was at one point considered a potential top 10 pick. So it, it's a it's a fine pick for the Brewers. I agree. I think it works out just fine for him. 
Um, and yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he escalates through the system. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be the first one from this class to to make it up. Plus, as an added bonus, he is a switch hitter. Uh, so that is also intriguing uh, as well. So honestly, I could see him being like a like a Craig Council as a player. Like like I know we kind of gave that comp to Brown just because of his batting stance, but more like like Council as a player always had a super high baseball IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he, you know he was more the gamer. You know that that kind of thing and just kind of you know working his way around. He could play all over the place. Could play some shortstop, some second. Um, and he ended up just kind of playing a bunch and, and just kind of hitting, hitting good enough to have a very long career. And I could definitely see that being the route for, for a guy like Moore as well. Moving on to uh, day two of the draft. There, there are a couple of guys here on day two that I thought were really intriguing that I want to talk about. And pretty much all of them uh, are the hitters. And it started off with Dylan O'Ray. Uh, in the third round, left-handed hitting high school shortstop from Northern Collegiate Institute in Ontario. And nobody had a damn clue who this kid was. I was watching the draft <laughs> broadcast, and they're like, yeah, who? Like, we don't have him ranked. I have no scouting reports on him. Baseball America's top 500 did not have the 102nd overall pick. Um, I think this this was pretty much mostly because he was a Canadian prep player. Mm. Like, they the, – like – the Baseball Americas and MLB pipelines just simply didn't scout up there, uh, didn't really kind of get too many evaluations. So it's not that this kid wasn't good. It's not that he wasn't worthy of being the 102nd pick. Uh, based on everything I've seen about him since, I mean, the, the kid's got incredible uh, contact skills, a great hit tool, uh, double-plus speed, just mm-hmm. a burner on the bases, uh, incredible athlete, um, can play some shortstop, can kind of play all over the place. Um, versatile player, a little bit undersized at, uh, what, 5'9", 160 here. But, um, it, I mean, those contact skills, that that's really kind of what the Brewers were targeting in, in this whole draft as, as we kind of picked up on it as they made their picks. Like, you, you start looking at all these hitters that they take. It's like, okay, let's see. Contact skills, bat-to-ball skills, walk more than they strike out. They don't whiff a lot. They don't chase a lot. That was really kind of the trend with all these guys. And watching this Brewers Big League Club, I think that's a good demographic to target, Matt, because we strike out too much, uh, not as much just kind of put the ball in play, contact, ability. Uh, They need more of that, and they recognize that and are drafting it. Yeah, it's a good pick, eh? (laughs) Oh, God. You were waiting. You are just waiting to pull that one out. I was. I had to pull the old. He celebrated by going to Tim Hortons. Bring down to Tim Hortons to training camp, eh? Yeah. You uh, guys like some poutine? <laughs> I, I I agree. Um, it's I like the pick. We love speedy little infielders, right? Like they're always fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I I feel like the Brewers kind of like started this uh this movement previously. Like I know Garrett Mitchell is more, he was a little bit more strikeout prone, but he had a lot of those, you know, on base tools to where they're like, you know, let's kind of go that way anyway. But you look at Sal Freelich, he's a guy that hits and gets on base. You look at Tyler Black, he's a guy that absolutely gets on base, dating all the way back to college even. Um, it's almost like they had kind of started down that path, and then this year just really just completely leaned into it because we're not even. You know, we're only scratching the surface of the draft pick so far, and there's guys down down the line that fit the same profile, really. Um, yeah, Matthew he, Wood here in the in the fourth round, mm-hmm. uh, catcher out of Penn State, the Big Ten's batting champion this year, and this was my personal favorite pick. You can kind of you can uh, read more about that in my uh, superlatives article, but I mean Matthew Wood is a guy that I really like. I think he's got a high floor and a pretty high ceiling. I think he could be an everyday starter. Uh, at the big league level as, as a catcher, left-handed hitter. Uh, he's got great on-base skills, walks more than he strikes out, uh, great contact, bat-to-ball skills, and power as well. Uh, he, he's got some pop. So, you know, he's someone that I, I really think um, could be a, a regular at the big league level behind the plate. I, I really like this pick. Left-handed hitter, on-base skills. I mean, you can't ask for too much more than that from your catcher. I mean, hold on. You're telling me this guy's name is Matt, 
and he is an offensive-minded catcher? Yes. I, I, do I not have a type here? And his <laughs> name's Matt. Come on. This is my guy. Yeah. He's my favorite pick, too. I love it. No, absolutely. I mean, you get you get that kind of uh, bat skills out of a left-hander and a guy who, um, you know, fits at catcher. Um, I don't know a, enough about him. Um, you, oh, no. Yes, he um, defensively. Um, is still able he's not one of those guys who it's like oh yeah we're drafting him as a catcher but he's going to be a first baseman down the road like a yeah. thomas dillard essentially yeah. you know like he was shifted pretty quickly out of catcher even though they used him as that at the alternate site that may have been more of a necessity thing um but this guy is this guy's legit like he i, I could absolutely see him working his way into the mix um i, I i'd like to see you know you i may have to sit behind mario feliciano um, you may have to sit behind him for a while he might have to. He might. Yeah. Have to. That's right. Maybe Mario Feliciano can move to first base. Nah, we're looking too far down. There. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, love the pick. And and again, like it it matches. It fits that mold of the on base guys, the guys who can hit, guys who can get on base. We need more of those. We need as we transition forward. We, we need to break this like homer only, two true outcome type of team, and really get some on base guys here. And as they work their way up the system and add themselves to kind of some of the guys that the Brewers already have, um, you you could end up having some of those dudes. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't put them up there immediately. Uh, uh, but, yeah, Matthew Wood, I really love that pick there in the fourth round. Um, and then there were a couple other uh, college uh, hitters. In the seventh round, Ben Metzinger out of Louisville. Second straight year, they drafted a Louisville third baseman. Last year, it was Alex Benellis, native of Oak Creek, who was promptly traded a few months later for Hunter Renfro, uh, which was a little bit sad to lose him, but Hunter Renfro. Uh, but you get Ben Metzinger, uh, senior sign, late here in the, in the seventh round. Finally healthy, had a fantastic season, hit 312, 19 homers, 11 steals, and he drew 51 walks in 64 mm. games. Walked more than he struck than he struck out as well. Controls the strike zone. Could be a pretty solid hitter, solid power, uh, really good third base defender. Um, so this is another kind of late round guy that I kind of like and could be a contributor uh, down the road here. And then Taden Hall from the well-known State College of Florida, Manatee, Sarasota. Manatees. <laughs> uh, Taden Hall, the star of that club, a catcher. Also first baseman, also corner outfielder, but drafted as a catcher. Six foot four, 250 pounds, pretty big as a catcher. Uh, but he's got some really great uh, contact skills as well. Uh, gets on base, walks more than he strikes out. 40 walks this year for him, 22 strikeouts only. Uh, hits the ball extremely well. I believe he hit 364 uh, on the season. So fantastic numbers for him. So I really love those two picks there towards the end on day two, Metzinger and Taden Hall. Yeah, yeah, Metzinger to me is a guy um, really interesting. Like you said, kind of almost replaces the Alex Vanellis pick, um, although not a Wisconsin native, unfortunately. That's okay. We won't hold it against him. Um, but one of the first guys we've really talked about who is a quote-unquote power guy um, on this list. And, you know, something that is nice to have in that third base profile when you look at the Brewers system, there, there's not a lot at corner infield, period. Um, but then you look up, you know, at the big league level, and you've got a guy like Luis Arias right now manning the position who's not your classic third base type guy. He's not your, you know, big bashing um, corner infielder type dude. So you don't know. Like, he's he manned the position really well last year. He's struggled a little, a little bit more this year. I, I just don't know that Luis Urias is your third baseman of the future. Would love to keep him around as a utility guy if that's what happens, but that could potentially be, you know, down the road, something that the Brewers are looking to fill if they don't end up acquiring a guy in, like, free agency or via trade um, to be a more classic third base type guy. He seems to fit that mold a little bit. Benellis did as well, but he was gone very quickly when the Brewers decided to go out and grab Hunter Renfro for right field. Um, so... It's interesting. I like the fact that they're paying a decent amount of attention to that the corners in this draft and may actually be able to build at least a little bit of depth there. 
yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see them kind of you know looking at that. That was definitely one of my big organizational needs for them there. Um, then they drafted a couple more on day three. Uh, so on the, with the day three picks, I want to kind of focus on the high school guys here as well because. You know, early on, you know, day two, like Eric Brown seeming like a little bit of a reach there at 27. Maybe that's to go under slot a little bit, save some money um, to target someone later. Robert Moore, maybe a bit of an under slot as well. Uh, the couple of senior signs there with uh, Mettinger and uh, Nate Peterson, the eighth, um, you know, that that could save them some money. It felt like they were going to be targeting some guys late. And uh, we found out who those guys were in the 12th round. Luke Adams out of Hinsdale Central High School in Illinois, third baseman, power hitter, legit, uh, legit power potential, uh, good athlete, you know, strong hit tool as well. Uh, that could be kind of the big dude that, that they were targeting there. They also took Zane Petty, a high school pitcher out of Texas. It feels like he's going to be kind of, you know, maybe not as big of a, a bonus pool signing. Uh, but the big guys came late. Uh, Brady Neal in the 17th round, ranked 74th overall by MLB Pipeline, uh, one of the top high school catchers in this year's class out of IMG Academy. Uh, he's got incredible potential. Uh, LSU commit. Jaden Newt in the 19th round, also an LSU commit, ranked 79th overall out of Sierra Canyon in California. And I called that one. I, I wrote an article uh, the day before, I, I, I know I said it for day two, but you know I, I figure they're going to be looking at this guy. He was on their area code games team uh, back last year, and the Brewers have drafted someone out of their area code games roster, out of every roster, going back to the year 2004. So they always draft someone, so I, I keep on looking at those rosters to see who they might take. Last year was Rock Riggio, didn't sign him. This year, Jaden Newt, and they may end up not signing him as well. Uh, with with taking him in the 19th round, they're probably not very confident they can sign him. But if they have a bunch of leftover money, maybe they could, you know, offer it to him. Uh, and then the other tough sign here, which is the most interesting and fun pick <laughs> in this year's class, Gerangelo Sainja, I believe is how the last name is pronounced. It's got two J's, a C. <laughs> it's it is uh, it is a, a different one to say, but he is a switch pitcher. He is also a switch hitter, and he is a two-way player. So you cannot get more interesting than that, right? Um, it, it sounds like he's got a very strong commitment to Mississippi State, and he's planning to go there. Um, but if the Brewers could sign him, man, he can throw 96 from the right side on the mound. He can throw 92, 93 left-handed on the mound. He's a pretty good infielder. Um, it's Give him to the pitching lab. Give him to player development. Like you could have something crazy and fun, uh, and it would just be amazing to get him in the organization. They may not be able to, but man, he's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know which of these guys will actually be able to sign. Um, it looks you you had already uh, noted. It looks like that Neil um, is in fact going to LSU. Um, Sancha Sincha whatever his name is, um, had posted something the other day that kind of made it seem like he was going to Mississippi State, but I don't think it's officially yet. But that would be super cool if they were able to throw enough money at him um, to get him to actually be able to sign. Um, because, I mean, that'd just be that'd be stories for days. It, it, it'd be great for us. We'd, we'd have all kinds of material to write about um, upon his ascent up through the organization. But he would definitely be a tough one. I'm hoping the fact that, kind of like you were saying with Newt, um, that maybe with those connections through the area code games, that maybe they're able to convince him a little bit more than they were uh, Riggio to actually be able to sign. Um, would have to throw, again, some of that extra money at him, but they're going to save money off of some of those um, guys that they're, they're going to save under slack from earlier. So, you know, maybe it's possible. Um, and then Adams and Petty, those guys, you know, maybe they're – far enough off, uh, you know, round 12, round 13, their their slot value plus some added money convinces them. I, I don't know. Um, I, don't, I don't know which one of these guys might actually go, but um, there's a lot of really interesting profiles um, 
with those guys that um, you you were kind of saying all along as a bunch of those first few picks came through, like, oh, the brute, they're definitely saving up for some guys they're going to try and convince to sign. And then it was a whole bunch of them that kind of potentially fit that actual description. Yeah, it's it. The way they go with it is, you know, backup plans and and more backup plans to that, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, like, like you're saving money for some of these guys. And then if the guy you're saving money for doesn't sign, then like, who's your backup plan to like, I, even though Adams and Petty, you know, went earlier, they went the 12th and 13th round, which probably leads to them believing that they're more confident that they could sign those guys um, than Neil or Newt later on. Like, like, say you could sign Adams for maybe like 500k, you know. So it costs you like four or, or 375 uh, from your slot money. It's not. It's going to take a hell of a lot more than 500k to sign Brady Neal or Jaden yeah. Newt. You know, like if they could have been signed for 500k, they would have gone in the third round. You yeah. know, they, they would have gone up there, but they did not. Um, so it's probably going to take them, you know, a million dollars or more um, to be able to sign. So if the Brewers are able to save up enough slot money to get there, maybe they can convince them to do it. Um, but I think those are your plan A's. You know, Sainja is probably, you know, plan B kind of right after that. I'm, I'm not sure what his bonus demands are. Uh, but then if they can't get either of those guys... Luke Adams and Zane Petty are probably who they're going to be targeting, who probably have slightly lower bonus demands. I mean, they weren't they weren't ranked anywhere near as highly. I mean, last year when they went in day three, they took Rock Reggio in round round eleven, and after that, they took like three more high schoolers right after that. If they were able to sign Rock Reggio for for what he was asking for, it would have taken up pretty much all their extra slot money. So they would not have signed Caden Vire and Quentin Lowe and Jay Savina Avina immediately after. So the, they knew, like going in, it's like, okay, we'll we'll take Riggio, we'll make a run at him. If we can't get him, we can combine like like all the money we'll have left, we can combine to spend on these three guys, um, Vire, Lowe, and Avina, and we can sign those three as. as the backup plan so that's really kind of strategy i think adams and petty are the backup plans if they're not able to get one of neil Sanja, or newt to sign um and that's just kind of you know just go for some upside you know take a shot take a run at them maybe they'll say yes um you know they're, they're not going to sign all of these guys for sure but you know they ended up getting some contributors some senior guys like aiden maldonado out of minnesota in the 14th noah hall out of south carolina in the 20th um, so you got some guys there, uh, Cameron Wagner in the 11th already announced he's going to sign. So, you know, they're, they're not going to fill all 20, they're, they're not going to sign all 21 guys, but I like taking shots on, on some upside plays here late. And if they can get one of Neil signed or new to sign a, a draft, like this draft gets an A for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because th- there's so much strategy that goes into, the MLB draft versus any other leagues draft when it comes to, you know, slot values and signing bonuses and how many of the group you think you actually have a chance to sign versus how many additional you might get to. And now you actually, you know, you look also at the restructuring of the minor leagues and you don't necessarily have as many uh, places to put these guys. I mean, granted, it's also a shorter draft too. So, you don't have as many draftees to figure out where to put either. Um, but, you know, you, I, I guess in that sense, you're, you're okay if a, if a few guys don't sign, but you at least, you know, draft them and leave open the possibility because it was going to be tough to find spots for all those guys. Anyway, the Brewers have plenty of guys in their minor league systems who, if you get a certain guy to sign, there will be a spot. Like there, there's, there's a guy who, can either you know be released or head down to a you know farther level like they would be able to figure that out for sure but i think it does factor into the equation at the very least a little bit of okay well you know if we get four guys who don't sign it's okay because we have an entire minor league system we have guys that we have confidence in um we'll be fine moving forward but it's there's so many moving parts when it comes to 
MLB draft that are so completely different than um, every other professional sports league. Yeah, like, I mean, in, in other leagues, like, you can, like, trade picks and trade down. Like, you know, say mm-hmm. the, like, you know, instead, like, you could save slot money by, you know, trading down a few spots and still end up getting Eric Brown Jr., who you wanted all along, but you pick up an extra pick along the way. But in the MLB draft, you, you just kind of take him up there, and then you use that slot savings to go after a guy like Jaden Newt. Uh, mm-hmm. You sign him in the 19th, but that's a third-round talent. So you essentially pick up an extra third-round pick. It's like trading down. You pick up an extra pick, and you know, like you do in the NFL draft. But you just don't actually move, and it just kind of works money-wise. And um, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they're not able to sign them, and, you know, it just kind of... You know, we'll see what happens. The uh, the signing deadline is August 1st, so they have a very short time period uh, to get these guys signed and, and convince them. So we will see what happens. Uh, so that is uh, the M- the Brewers draft class. Again, you can check out our draft class and signings uh, signing bonus tracker on reviewingthebrew.com. We'll be uh, getting that updated when reports start coming through uh, when the Brewers make these signings. And uh, check out our draft superlatives as well um, for more thoughts on on these guys. Uh, real quickly here, uh, before we get to you know the end, we we got some time here. We got to talk the the trading deadline as as that's mm. coming up. Um, and the big name everyone has been talking about all week is home run derby champion and MLB superstar Juan Soto, and he is on the market. He has turned down a $440 million contract extension offer from the Nationals. It was over 15 years, um, so it was a lower average annual value. And his agent, Scott Boris, turned it down. So, naturally, uh, with all the reports coming out, it's like, oh, okay, the Nationals are now looking to trade him. Well, should the Brewers get involved? And that is a fun discussion uh, to have. And <laughs> So as soon as this started coming, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll put out an article. What would it take to get him? Because this is going to be the largest prospect haul in the history of baseball. Um, one, uh, one, I believe, GM or scout basically said it's going to be a Herschel Walker level trade. Like the biggest trade in football history, Herschel Walker trade. It's going to be that for Juan Soto. Two and a half years of Juan Soto. He's a free agent after 2024. And... That that gives you two and a half years of one of the best hitters, best pure hitters in the game of baseball. A guy many are compared, basically compared to Ted Williams, who again, one of the greatest hitters of all time. So I'm thinking, let's let's try to make a pros and cons list here of the uh, Brewers going after Juan Soto and getting into this market. The cons, it's going to cost you. All of your prospects. You're going to have to sell the farm. It's going to cost you Jackson Churio. It's going to cost you Joey Weimer. It's going to cost you Sal Freelich. It's going to cost you Ethan Small. It's going to cost you Aaron Ashby, most likely. Uh, it's going to cost a lot. Uh, it is going to sell the future. The window to compete is going to be locked in uh, through 2024. After 2024, when Soto reaches free agency, and then also... Burns and Woodruff and Hauser and Lauer and Adamas are also slated to reach for agency. Uh, it is full rebuild mode after that. And you're going to have to rebuild with a already sold farm. So you're going to have to buy a new farm and try to build that back up. Um, so those are the cons. The pros, it's Juan freaking Soto. <laughs> That's it. That's all. That's it. That, that's it. What, what all the what, what else do I need on the pros list? It's Juan Soto. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Any team would love to have a player like Juan Soto. Except the Washington team, Nationals, apparently. Well. Sorry, had to say it. <laughs> that I mean, yeah. For some reason, except the Washington Nationals. But every team would also love to have Mike Trout, and every team would also love to have Shohei Otani. And all these, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr., when he ever plays again, uh, and all these guys, um, just because you want him doesn't mean you can have him, because having him means 
major moolah uh, for a team like the Brewers in the alternate universe where they actually do this trade for Juan <laughs> Soto. You're even in that alternate universe, like you said, you're not keeping him past two years because there is no way the Brewers would ever be able to afford to extend Juan Soto, which is what he's wanted this whole time. It's the entire reason the Nationals are trading him is because they can't work out an extension. $440 million or whatever the heck it was Mm -hmm. is too little for Juan Soto because it's spread over too many years, I guess. Uh, If they had done it over 12, they might have been able to do it. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, but regardless, I mean, if, if the Nationals can't get it done with that contract, Nothing that the Brewers offer is going to be able to extend Juan Soto. So it is, in fact, like you said, those two years. And after this year, you've still got, you know, expensive Yelly's contract. Now you've got a arbitration raise for Soto above the $17 million that he's making that you're now adding. Already, yeah. Right. Um, it, you're, you're just not. And not to mention all the other guys the Brewers are going to have to give arbitration raises to. There's just, there's no way, there's no way that that all works. Although I did see the average price of a Brewers game is like $175, and that's actually probably undershooting it. But So they're making enough money, but that's besides the point. Anyway, it's not going to happen in that sense. But my God, the amount of players that the Brewers would have to give up for that. And it's actually, it's come out recently too. Um, I believe you put the article out before it came out that the Nationals want major league ready players as well. They want prospects and guys who can uh, compete. So, like now you've got to give up in the. the you got to give up Aaron Ashby. Yeah, Aaron Ashby and then some potentially. Um, yeah. The whole reason the Brewers would even do a trade like this would be to win a World Series in that very short window that they would have with Juan Soto. Um, if you trade for him, you're potentially having to give up guys who are going to help you get to the World Series during that very short window. So it, yeah, it, it's fun to just dream about, like, what would it actually take for this to happen? Like, it is, it's a fun exercise to go through very quickly before realizing that there's no, there's a snowball's chance in hell of it actually ever taking place. Yeah, I mean, the, I don't even know if the Brewers have enough prospect capital to get it done. And even if they did, would Stearns pull the trigger? Right. You know, like like it, like, like when I put up my trade proposal for it, you know, what it would cost. Like, th- like this is costing you Churio and Weimer to start, uh, costing you Freelick as well, uh, costing you Bryce Terang, uh, and then also Ethan Small and Aaron Ashby. So I'm like, that's your top two pitching prospects. That is your essentially top four uh, hitting prospects. Um, plus, I also threw in like two competitive balance round picks because I felt that prospect package probably wasn't going to be enough for them. Mm-hmm. So throw in some extra draft picks as well. Um, and that could maybe entice them. Um, but even then, maybe not. You know, other teams probably could put up something a little bit better. Um, and I just don't see the Brewers doing that because they need Small and Ashby to be there to supplement yeah. this pitching. Otherwise, your pitching depth is cut. What do you have after that? You got Jason Alexander. You got yeah. Jason Alexander to help fill out your rotation. You need more help there for yeah. sure then. Um, like Antoine Kelly's not going to be ready in time. Jacob no. Mizorowski's not going to be ready in time. Like you got a you got a ways to go. So I don't see it happening for a variety of reasons. It would be fun. It'd be nice, especially considering the Cardinals are in these sweepstakes and they might try to do it. And I swear to God, if they get it, I'm just going to freaking throw Mike Rizzo off a bridge Mm. like or jump off a bridge myself. I mean, the Cardinals can't keep getting away with this. No. Like, oh, we'll just put ourselves in the sweepstakes for uh, Giancarlo Stanton, even though Giancarlo didn't want to go there and rejected that trade. But, oh, we'll just end up with Paul Goldschmidt because uh, another team just uh, was too uh, poor to pay him. So we'll just take him for cheap, and we'll take Nolan Arenado for cheap. And the Colorado Rockies gifted us $50 million to help pay him, those morons. And, 
Ugh. So like like they can't they can't keep getting these superstars for nothing because another team just trades them away because they're like, eh, whatever. No. Anywhere it, but it, there it, and and not the Dodgers either, because if the Dodgers get them, that's just unfair. Manfred well, should step in at that point and be like, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. We're this is basically baseball's form of a monopoly at this point. Yeah. Um but it, it's luckily it seems as though the Cardinals just they might just not have enough capital to get it done. Um there there are other teams that are interested that have higher level prospects like the Yankees, although they seem unwilling to part with some of their upper level guys, but you know, it's Juan they, Soto. They may no exactly, one is untouchable for Juan Soto. Exactly. As a front office, you would think at some point they would be able to talk themselves into into that point. Like, guys, let, let's just forget about that all of a second. This is Juan freaking Soto. Like, yeah. let's Jason Dominguez, Anthony Volpe, plus other, plus other, yeah. plus like, well, just, like I know, like a like a, a couple of weeks ago or whatever, I put out an article like, oh, these Brewers prospects are untouchable, and I had Jackson Churio and Joey Weimer. Yeah. And it's like, and then I put them in this trade package. I'm like, look, I know I just got done saying that these guys are untouchable. Yeah. But it's Juan Soto. No yeah. one is untouched. No prospect is untouchable for Juan Soto. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Corbin Burns is untouchable for Juan Soto. But it's like, that's because like you're trying to win a World Series. Burns yeah. is really kind of one of the big reasons you're going to, you know, so like losing him doesn't really help you any, any either. So, yeah, it's, uh, Maybe we could, uh, you know, there's rumors that they might try to throw in a Patrick Corbin's uh, contract to offload him. You know, so that could help with our pitching depth problem if we trade yeah. Small and Ashby. Yeah. Help is a loose term there. <laughs> he is a warm body, though, so there's that. I, I love that in, uh, I can't remember the name of the site, um, but the, it's a the trade calculator site that a lot of people have been Baseball using. Baseball trade values. Recently. Yeah. It, Corbin's value is so far into the negative that it makes a lot of trades for Soto that would never happen work per its website because he takes oh, yeah. trades so badly. Yeah, I, I saw one dude do it for, like, the Tigers, and he threw in, like, a like one utility guy who's worth, like, zero, and he had Soto and then... Corbin and Strasburg thrown in yep. with the contracts and they're both negative and it basically like zeroed out and it's yep. like, do the trade, do it. Yep. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. In, in that case, we'll take uh Soto Strasburg and Corbin for Adrian Hauser. Sure. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. There, why not? Here you go, guys. There you go. We'll, we'll give you Jace Peterson. That dude's yes. a stud. There you go. Who says no? Why would you say no to that? Washington? Yeah. Jace Peterson for Juan Soto. They both just get on base, right? Yep. It's more than fair. It is more than fair, guys. Exactly. They don't call him on-base Soto, do they? No. They just, no. They just call him the second coming of Ted Williams. But <laughs> Sure, 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 sure. Side the point. <laughs> but it, that's not as, you know, that doesn't roll off the tongue like on-base Jace. So. That's right. It doesn't rhyme. You want that, uh, Washington. Trust us. Yeah. You can... You can Hashtag it, make it a make it a catchphrase. Ugh. Well, it it would be fun. I would love to see Juan Soto in the Brewers lineup, but um, it'll be easier for all of us as soon as we all just recognize it's not going to happen. Yeah. No. Nope. Sorry to say. Sorry to dampen the party. We'll be working with what we got for now, and potentially be looking at some. Uh, Slightly lower level, but still effective trades between now and the trade deadline. Exactly. And that's coming up next week. Uh, next week's episode. Because we got one more episode here uh, to record next week before we get to the trade deadline. And then after that, we're going to have the reaction to the trade deadline. Because the Brewers yeah. are going to be making moves. We know that. We know they got moves to come. David Stearns, slinging Stearns, is going to be making some moves. Um, so that is going to be a fun one. To look forward to lots of uh, great trade deadline stuff. And I just just realized something. Trade deadline reaction episode will be episode 100. Wow. Crazy. 98 as we speak. Next week will be 99. 
That makes Reaction Day 100. Close wow. up 100 episodes, guys. I can't believe it. Made it this far. <laughs> right? I remember, I remember like just kind of first starting this, kind of, you know, the the pandemic and everything just started. I'm just like, you know, I'm sitting at home, you know, all, all the time. It's like, I got nothing to do. You know, no one's, no one's hiring. I'm sitting here unemployed and it's like, well, try to do something. We had a podcast before. Let's start that up again. <laughs> and sure enough, here we are. A lot of friends made along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of uh, fun times, fun episodes. And uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have to do something big for that. We're going to have to get a, a good guest, you know, have, do something fun for our 100th episode, I think. Bob Euchre for one. No, okay. Oh, got it. If I if I had that connection, trust me, I would have used it already. But retire on episode 100. They're like, well, it's all downhill from here, folks. So we're yeah we're retiring the pod. Yeah, yeah. It's we literally cannot do better than that. No, but, <laughs> but we will have someone good. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so I think that's a, a nice little teaser to to end it. So yeah, be sure to check out our draft coverage, reviewingbrew.com, trade deadline stuff, rumors, potential targets, all coming up here as well, all also on the site. Lots of fun, exciting times coming up over these next few weeks with Milwaukee Brewers. So stay tuned to us. Stay tuned to the Cold Brew Podcast. Stay tuned to reviewingbrew.com. You can follow us at Reviewing the Brewer on Twitter. You can follow me at DGasper24. Follow Matt at, M- at MKEMatt13. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.